Hey, it's Wednesday, October 26, 2022, and we've got the latest information on what's happening in the cannabis industry. So get ready, because this is the M News Now. While many people who are opposed to cannabis continue to try to link it with opioids, studies that show otherwise continue to pile up. The latest study was published online last month in Substance Use and Misuse. The study supported evidence showing that medical cannabis can actually replace or reduce opioid usage in patients. Using a large sample size, they found that the majority of patients, or 79%, reported that after beginning a regimen of medical cannabis, they were able to reduce or stop altogether their use of other pain medications. Researchers found that patients reported improvements in terms of bodily pain, physical functioning, and social functioning. The study wrote, The findings suggest that some medical cannabis patients decreased opioid use without harming quality of life or health functioning, and that, at the community level, medical cannabis could have a more immediate role in managing the opioid epidemic than previously thought. A recent meta-analysis found a medium to large effect of cannabinoids to reduce pain, and a significant effect of cannabinoids for 30% pain reduction, found across 47 randomized controlled trials. Together, these findings indicate that medical cannabis could be an effective option in treating chronic, non-cancer pain. Dr. Peter Grinspoon, a medical cannabis specialist at Massachusetts General Hospital and an instructor at Harvard Medical School, told High Times that he recommends medical cannabis for mild to moderate pain, but not for high amounts of pain. In those cases, opioids and other drugs are usually needed. The owners of a Washington, D.C. cannabis company are suing the city after they claim the police officer seized more than $700,000 in cash during raids in 2021. In each case, the charges were dropped or the attorney general chose not to prosecute. Now, the owners want their money back. Security cameras from August 2021 show police raiding the Mr. Nice Guy's D.C. store in the northwest part of the city. Officers can be seen filing up the stairs and smashing an ATM before seizing cash and merchandise and arresting several people in the process. Co-owners of Mr. Nice Guy DC, Gregory Wimsat and Damian West, say their store has been raided multiple times over the last few years and seized hundreds of thousands of dollars. They also say, though, that despite the cases being dropped or dismissed, the police are still holding on to their cash. Wimsat said, it's exhausting to always have this uphill battle. West added, like, where's the justice? They come in, kick in our door, raid us, you know, take our money. The lawsuit against the city is seeking $750,000. Wimsat said, what we specifically asked for in this case was just the cash. That's not including loss of damages and product. The Mr. Nice Guy's DC business is actually operating under a legal loophole, or what some call a legal gray area. Customers buy a product like a piece of art and get marijuana as a gift with purchase. West said, I'm going to be a voice for the people who don't have a voice. We've done nothing wrong. We're operating in a gray space that they created, and the only thing we want is our money back. So far, the Office of the Attorney General has declined to comment on the case. On Tuesday, a Russian court denied WNBA star Brittany Griner's sentencing appeal and upheld the nine-year sentence she received in August. Griner's lawyers were quoted by the New York Times as saying, We are very disappointed. The verdict contains numerous defects, and we hope that the Court of Appeals would take them into consideration. Griner will now begin serving her sentence with credit for time served since her arrest in February. 
The Associated Press reported that each day in pretrial detention would be counted as one and a half days in prison. So the basketball star will have to serve around eight years in prison from this point on, making her potential release date sometime in the year 2030. The United States and Russia are still in discussions for a potential prisoner swap to secure the release of Greiner and Paul Whelan, a U.S. citizen detained in a Russian prison on alleged espionage charges since 2018. So far, no deal has been made, but one experienced negotiator said that he was cautiously optimistic that both Greiner and Whelan would be released by the end of this year. President Biden said that his administration will continue to work tirelessly and pursue every possible avenue to bring Brittany and Paul Whelan home safely as soon as possible. Greiner had been traveling to Russia to play basketball with the UMMC Ekaterinburg Russian team, which she has played with since 2014 during the American WNBA season's yearly off time. This is a very common practice for athletes, and in particular women's sports like basketball, where players like Greiner can make far more money in Russia than they do in the States. Top men's basketball players earn between $1 million and $50 million a year. Greiner, who's a superstar in her league, made 215000 with the Phoenix Mercury team last year. And in the four years prior to that, she earned just under $140,000 a year. On the other hand, in Russia, Greiner earns closer to $1 million per season. The U.S. attorney in Oregon has charged six men with disguising themselves as U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration agents during an armed robbery of marijuana. The six men from San Antonio, Texas, have been charged with conspiracy to interfere with commerce by robbery, conspiracy to possess with intent to distribute marijuana, and using, carrying, and brandishing a firearm in furtherance of a drug trafficking crime. According to recently unsealed court documents, in the afternoon of March 12, 2022, local law enforcement officers were dispatched to a rural address in Josephine County, Oregon, after receiving reports of a possible armed robbery in progress. Minutes later, officers arrived on scene to find a residence where two empty vehicles were running in the driveway with all the doors open. The officers observed multiple individuals believed to be the suspects running away towards the back of the property. Officers found body armor, badges, firearms, ammunition, and shell casings dumped all along the path where the suspects had fled. Back inside the residence, officers found victims who told them that multiple armed individuals dressed in DEA attire and wearing body armor arrived at the property and restrained several of the victims with zip ties and duct tape. Officers found numerous plastic totes containing packaged marijuana in the idling vehicles, along with more of the fake DEA equipment, firearms, ammo, and shell casings. After an extensive search, the law enforcement learned the identity of the suspects who had traveled from San Antonio, Texas to Southern Oregon. Once arriving in Oregon, the group put on their DEA attire and posed, with firearms, for photos in their local hotel room. Investigators found the incriminating photos and multiple text message conversations in which the conspirators discussed the robbery plans. One suspect was arrested on the day of the robbery, several more were caught in early October, and one final suspect, Jordan Gamage, remains at large and is believed to still be in the San Antonio area. A real estate group released results of their survey of 1,000 Americans showing the overwhelmingly positive support and belief in the positive effects of cannabis legalization. Their survey found that the majority of Americans, or 71%, believe that legalizing cannabis improves states' economies. They also reported that 91% of respondents support cannabis legalization in some form. 70% would vote in favor of recreational cannabis legalization. 
84% would vote in favor of medical cannabis legalization, and 41% believe state legalization positively affects real estate with more people flocking to such states. Prior data from another study showed that home values increased by $6,338 more in cities where cannabis was legalized. Their fascinating study results also showed that 70% of respondents said that they would pay at market rate or above for a house near a cannabis dispensary or weed lounge, indicating that the industry had no negative effect on potential buyers' view of the industry in regards to real estate. One other find from their survey was that only 8% of respondents considered cannabis legalization to be the most pressing social issue in the country, which suggests that cannabis legalization is unlikely to sway some voters. Despite assurances from the governor and regulators, New York marijuana industry officials and experts are increasingly concerned that the state's adult use market won't launch by the end of this year as planned. The uncertainties left many applicants and businesses in a standstill while they wait. One New York cannabis attorney who specializes in regulatory issues and compliance, David Pajovic, said, A lot of the excitement died down, actually, because of how long it's taken. Part of the delay is that adult-use regulatory policies and operational procedures have still not been finalized. And regulators have still not announced the first round of approved applicants. There are currently more than 250 licensed family farmers now harvesting product for retail sales. But they don't know what to do with it, given the uncertainty in the system. The New York Office of Cannabis Management had spokesperson Trevette Knoll speak on the delays. She said, There's been no change in our expectation that sales will begin before the end of 2022. Regulations are expected before the end of this year, with additional licensing opportunities opening in the first half of 2023, as has been expected since OCM got its start in the fall of 2021. New York's adult-use retailers are projected to generate between $1 and $1.2 billion in sales next year, growing to an estimated $2.2 to $2.7 billion by 2026. Last week, Circle K announced plans to incorporate medical marijuana sales at 10 Circle K stores across Florida as early as next year. This week, though, officials from the Florida Department of Health told the Washington Examiner that the state has not yet approved the Circle K plans, and they said Florida has never approved a medical marijuana treatment center to operate out of a gas station. However, they did give a ray of hope for it to happen by saying that it would be possible, subject to regulatory approval. There is actually already one small, similar shop in Portland, Maine, at the Atlantic Farms Gas and Grass Cannabis Convenience Store. That's all you need to know for today. Be sure to keep listening for the latest updates and follow us on themnewsnow.com. Later.